everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. So my very first podcast interview was exactly two years ago in July, 2017. I interviewed Mary Frances McCord, who is the vice president of finance and treasurer of the University of Pennsylvania, which has a lot of the same roles as a CFO would. She oversees approximately 265 people, over 10 major offices and several departments. So Mary Frances's first podcast conversation with me back in 2017 really resonated with a ton of the listeners. So I thought it would be super fun to have her back on the show two years later for round two. She was podcast episode number one, and now she's podcast episode number 44. So quick background on Mary Frances. She's married to her husband and they have three children, ages 35, 33, and 17. She's been in the corporate world for 35 years, so she's able to provide us with valuable lessons that you can apply to your business and everyday life. She talks about the importance of stepping outside your comfort zone, always taking the high road in your personal and business life, even when it's really difficult to do so, avoiding naysayers, the importance of failure and staying humble, and so much more. I especially love her little bits of advice that she sprinkles throughout our conversation, such as at the end of emails, she will frequently add, is there anything else I can do to help? And then if the person does have more for you to do, to respond positively, such as saying, absolutely, or happy to do so. Mary Frances tells her story in such a humble and kind manner. She really is the best. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Thanks so much. Welcome, Mary Frances, to round two of the podcast. So excited to have you here. It's good to be here. Yeah. And as I was just telling you... um, you know, you were my very first guest exactly two years ago. Wow. So it was July of 2017. Wow. Right before nice. July yeah. 4th weekend. Oh, cool. I know time really flies. Yeah. Um, but like I told you, I listened to our interview a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. on the way to the shore. And like I said, I was a little bit nervous because it was my first one. Yeah. And I don't know if I really knew what I was doing. But yeah. um, I was so pleasantly surprised. You did such an amazing job. Oh. And people kept telling me that um, the advice you gave really stuck with them, even the little things like how you walk up the seven flights of stairs every day in your (laughs) office uh, that showed the grit. Yeah. So I talked to my sisters about it, and I was like, I think it'd be so cool to have Mary Frances back on the podcast. Yeah. So here we are. Oh, good. Back on Penn's campus. So all good stuff. Yes. Touching on Penn, too, so I want to talk about that a little bit. The last time I interviewed you... I think you had only been a pen for about a year at that yeah. point, and now it's been three years. Three and a half years, yeah. So would love to hear about your experience, um, and I also would love to hear about what it's like working with Dr. Amy Gutman, oh, she's, she's so renowned. she's great. Yeah, yeah, she really is great, so... And for the listeners that don't know, she's the president of Penn. She's the president so. of Penn, yeah. and, and one thing we're really proud of at Penn that... Um, is another core value for me, Yeah, um, is accessibility of education. Mm-hmm. And... Dr. Gutman, that is like front and center for here. Yeah. You know, access and affordability. Right. Um, and and Penn, you know, the, the amount of money we put on the table to um, make education accessible to yeah. everyone. I think one in six of our freshman students is Pell eligible, for okay. example. I mean, we've made fantastic strides. But the thing I'd say about Amy Gutman in that regard is, her heart is in it. Yeah. You know, some people just say it. Right. But you you can tell when people feel it and live it. Mm-hmm. And she feels it and lives it. Yeah. And I align well with people okay. like that. I, I really love that. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, um, you know, and I think I'll, you know, we'll talk a little bit about learning to learn. But, mm-hmm. you know, coming into Penn, um, again, it's a big institution. It's a right. different place. You know, top in the world, you know, very, you know, world-renowned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you 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 you've got to be on your A game. Right. Exactly. And um, it's but, but it's been great. The people are wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, we're doing some really fun, complex but fun. Things I know. And, it looks great since I've been back. Yeah. So yeah, it's been I guess ten years. Yeah, yeah. Since I've been here, there's building everywhere. And yeah. Constantly improving. You know, that we're constantly improving everything from right. programs to infrastructure, the campus. You know. Right. Um, trying to stay ahead of the game. Yeah. You know. And can you give clip notes of, of your job at Penn for listeners um, that might not know? Yeah, so I'm the vice president of finance and treasurer, yeah. and I um, so I manage things that you typically manage. You know, think of the financials, like all the financial statements. We're right in the middle of um, uh, accelerating a debt issuance, a couple hundred million dollars. Okay. We're hoping to go to market in like a week and a half. Um, kind of the back-end gift accounting for all the donations that come in. I have research administration, so mm. we have a billion-dollar research portfolio. So okay. I have the people who do that research administration report to me. Um, financial systems and training, risk management, so managing kind of the insurance and risk portfolio, right? The university and the health system. Okay. Um, global operations, like uh, kind of the business side of global operations, mm. global support. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting something. Yeah. I thought my job was overwhelming, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good stuff, though. Oh, yeah. So cool. I'm to think, oh, you know what? Actually, and super big is all the um, student financial aid, all the registrar mm. and the bursar yeah. functions. So all those okay. student-facing functions, right. which is a huge deal, again, given the mission that we're yeah. trying to follow. Amazing. Of affordability. I yeah. love that part. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one question I've asked a lot of my podcast guests is the sort of influence that their parents have had yeah. on them. So in the last, uh, in our last conversation, you talked about your dad and how he would always reference um, the man in the arena. Yes. So, and for listeners that don't know, um, I'll read it quickly, The yeah. Man in the Arena, because I yeah. think it's so cool. Yeah. I always forget about it. But it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is married by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So hopefully I read that okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, usually recite no, poems. It's a great passage. <laughs> and yeah, the, yeah, my dad, I'll come back to the influence they've had because okay. I don't want to skip that, but I'll go yeah. to the man in the arena because it's now it's like an inside joke. Every right. once in a while I'll call my parents and I'll say, I stepped in the arena yeah. today. Or last night I came home, and many a day I came, I, I come in the door and I say, I left it all on the court. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, it's like you give so much. I'm right. Like, There's nothing left. Yeah. I left it all on the court. Yeah. But it's, I think this is a big thing for me because I was a kid, and I think, I really do think maybe we're innately born with some of these things. Right. That I wanted to do well. I mean, yeah. I remember being a, a little tyke, you know, and I just wanted to do well. And I think if I couldn't do well, I was. I didn't want to do it. Like, I right. was timid. Okay. And, you know, I, it's funny because I, I have these sports analogies a lot, and it's not like I was this great athlete. I did. Like, I, I was a swimmer, and I skier. Um, I ran. You know, I bike, whatever. Yeah. But there's a lot of sports that I would never try. Right. Like, baseball, forget it. Volleyball, mm. I never really played. Yeah. Um, and... 
you, you know, I did. I think it was I didn't want to look bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I was afraid of looking bad. I yeah. Mean, you talk, like the quote addresses some of that. Yeah. But at some point, and and for me, I think it took a long time. Um, I decided to put my ego aside and try. Yeah, and try. Yeah. And I think, as we both know, with golf, yeah, sometimes I'll you golf, try yeah. and try and try and try. Um, and you just, you just have to let yourself be vulnerable right. in probably all aspects of life. And I think vulnerability is a, is a huge thing as well. Mm-hmm. But, but when you do that, you realize it's fun participating in mm-hmm. life. It's actually more fun participating and maybe not doing quite so well, mm-hmm. um, than it is sitting on the sidelines right. and, it, and it's a learning to know it's okay to fail sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like you said, fail Many times. Many times. I mean, yeah. and the more you hear about people like who do really well, they fail a lot of a times. Lot. Yeah. But but then that come, probably comes back to that grit too of being mm-hmm. able to go back and back and back. Yeah. But I think at work, um, at work, I've never been afraid to get in the arena, and okay. I don't know why. Okay. But from the first day I started working, I was always the one who didn't mind taking on the extra. Yeah. Like you know, I'm always getting involved in something if I had no experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing I've realized and, and really now value in others, that the more you do this, mm-hmm. you're honing your skills on how to learn. Right. You know, it's really like, mm-hmm. you know, how do you learn? Yeah. And getting in that arena keeps you learning. Keeps you learning. Yeah. yeah. I love so, that. So now it's like a thing. It's like a family, a family, like a family thing. joke for yeah. us now. Like, I'm in the arena. The arena. Yeah. Here I go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I might, I might talk about the influence, too, of my parents. Of your parents. Cause, yeah. Because you mentioned that. And... Um, I, you know, the older I get, I, I honestly can't under emphasize the influence that my parents have mm-hmm. had on me and my four other brothers and sisters, five of okay. us. Um, and I think for all of us, um, the realization of that grows daily. Right. Uh, and I'd say first and foremost, my parents taught us how to love. Mm-hmm. They taught us how to respect. They taught us the boundless connection of family. Right. They taught us that every human being has value, mm. um, regardless of religion, skin color, socioeconomic background. They taught us, and this is a big one, that every day is an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were the children of Irish immigrants to Boston. And oh, I, wow. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I only bring that up because, you know, people talk about, like, the Boston Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But another strong lesson they taught us is work, is a work yeah. ethic, um, and how work can be fulfilling, and it's not something that should be avoided. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other fun thing they taught us, which which I look back, and it, it, it's, it's almost fascinating to me because they came from families with little means, right. but they taught us um, to love art and music and culture, and yeah. that's had a lasting impact on all of us. Okay. And they also taught us how to dance, like they yeah. love to dance. <laughs> And so we're dancers. Yeah. But I think importantly, and I look at myself as a parent, and I look back at that, they didn't teach us that by sitting us down and lecturing us. Okay. It was all by doing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like, watch us. It was just how they lived. And right. now that I look at, you know, my brothers and sisters and me, you know, I'm like, wow, we all got those lessons. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it, looking at that too, an advice we put a, probably got from them boiled down into just a few words were, were, um, to be authentic. Authentic. Yeah. And take a high road. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that too because when my dad passed away last October, yes. we put the man in the arena um, on the oh, back of his funeral card. Wow. Yeah. So I like, I'm always thinking about it too now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's really special. So it's really special. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and then sort of tying into that, when I listened to our interview, I love that when you said, when you hold certain meetings, like breakfast meetings yeah. or something, you sometimes ask people around the table, when was the last time you were really pumped up? Yeah. And typically it was when they had to, you know, push through a challenging time at yes. work and then they, you know, succeeded. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit yeah. too? Yeah. And I'd say that's, you know, that kind of circles back to learning as well. I think you experience your capability of learning when you're outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and it's fulfilling. Like you said, when you do something, that you, and this just happened yesterday at work. I mean, it was a really, 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 really hard day. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a couple of her were like, oh my God, that was so fun because yeah. we got through it. We got through it. Um, and, and in a good way. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it's, it's really fulfilling. Yeah, you do something you're not capable of doing or that might have had an inherent risk of failure. Right. And you did it anyway yeah. and you didn't fail. And I think as managers... Um, we need to have more faith in people, mm-hmm. you know, I, to, to, to set, you know, to allow them to expand their capabilities. And yeah. many times I suggest to managers who work with me, why don't we put so-and-so on that project? Or this person would be great for this promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so many times people say to me, oh, I don't think they're ready for that. Yeah. And I always say, how would you know? Right. We haven't let them try. Yeah. And I am all about letting people try. Um, but I think, you know, back to the first point, if we let, if we step outside our comfort zones mm-hmm. more often, you actually develop skills on how to learn mm-hmm. and, and actually becomes increasingly more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It Definitely. Really, yeah. Um, that's like the quote by Laird Hamilton. That yes. I had in here. Um, I love that. I read it to my niece and nephew sometimes because it says, yes. he says, people say you're not scared. Uh, and for people who don't know, he's a big time surfer. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. says, people say you're not scared. And he says, actually, no, I'm the most scared. I'm scared of those big waves, but your imagination is always greater than the reality. Subjecting yourself to the thing you fear is probably the most important way of becoming acclimated to it being intimate with it and all of a sudden it doesn't have the power that it once held. Yeah. So if you yeah. just do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love, yeah, yeah I, that I love that and that everything yeah. you, know, you want is on the other side of fear. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And fear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something too. Like I think about that and I, I love that because every day mm-hmm. and if people don't admit this, then they're just not admitting it. But right. I mean, I have, like, I'm thinking, I was thinking of myself, like, moving to a new city for Mm -hmm. a new job, Um, you know, going to a board meeting with a new board, like, for a company that you don't know anybody, going to a party when you know you're not going to know people. Oh, yeah, that's always scary, yeah. (laughs) Or or going to a lesson for something that you can't do, and you know you're going to be exposed. Yeah. Um, But I think, and even for me, like, coming here and leading departments that I've had no experience in. Mm. I mean, all of that really scary. But something else my parents told me, I remember like not this job, but my last job I was going in and I looked outside and I was looking across this massive campus and all this building. And I was like, oh my gosh. And my mother said, you go down there and you walk in the room and you hold your head high. Mm. And um, I do that. And I think, again, the more you do that, the more comfortable it becomes. Exactly, Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you let yourself slip away for the moment, like I'm thinking about Laird Hamilton in a big wave. Like my daughter, when she, or when me, when I was a little girl, one of the things I was 
petrified of was thunder and lightning storms. Okay. Hated yeah. them. And so I had kids, you know, one of my, my daughters, she loved thunder and lightning storms. Oh, wow. Storms. Yeah. And, of course, now that I couldn't be afraid, like, with my kids. And it's funny, now that we've gotten older, if a huge storm is coming, yeah. and she's in Chicago, if I right. see you, I'll text her and I'll be like, huge storm coming, you must be in heaven. And yeah, she's yeah. like, I am. And now I see a huge storm, and I'm like, yeah. this is so cool. So cool, yeah. It. So I, it I gets like you let yourself slip away. And yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, I don't have to be afraid. It's of not that. so bad. Yeah, it's not Definitely. so bad. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then one question I was just actually talking to my cousin. She works at Amazon. Yeah. And um, I was like, "Do you have any questions for you know Mary Francis? You know, yeah. going to Penn?" And she was like, "Can you ask her um, what how the corporate world has changed a little bit for women?" Yeah. Because you've been in—is it almost forty years now that you've been Let's in the? See, I've been <laughs> like twenty years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it has changed. I think when I was first starting working, and it's it's funny, it's changed so much. Like when I started working, I never used the woman card. I never mm-hmm. said anything like, oh, there's any difference or whatever. Like never, ever, ever. I was always like, okay, just got to go in there and even work harder. Yeah. Um, but when I started, you almost pretended you didn't have children. Mm. And the company that I worked for... That was the, the early 1980s? Or? I start, Yes. Okay. Yeah, like mid-80s. Got it. Yeah. And and I the, the company that I worked for the longest, I probably started there in 90 or 91. Um, I was there a couple of weeks and I noticed people didn't have any pictures mm. of families or children or anything. Right. And, you know, every once in a while, if you're with somebody for a while, people didn't really talk about their families, mm-hmm. but no one told me not to. And yeah. so, you know, I like yak all the time. Right. And you really pretended you didn't have them. And, you know, you you you, you would never take time off for a doctor visit. Um, you, God forbid, your children get sick. Like, okay. you'd be petrified if yeah. your children got sick. And then as they got older and they were going to sports, mm-hmm. you know, practices were a nightmare to get your children to sports and the one thing that hit me like the the man woman thing is the men were taking work off early to start practices early okay but the women couldn't take off early to get their kids to the practices that maybe this right yeah wait a minute he's starting the practice at 4 30 and I can't get off of work till 5 30 yeah like it was it was tough um but I think now it has changed I mean I think you know, maternity leaves are longer. Even mm-hmm. the fact that we have paternity leaves right. helps women. Exactly. It helps yeah. men, but it also helps women. Right. Um, you know, I remember being home. I had my first one. I had my second one. I the, I was home with a newborn baby, one day old and a two-year-old, yeah. and my husband went to work. Right. Like, and there yeah. you are. Like, you're there like, you okay, are. you know, yeah. okay. So you're in the weeds, yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because you, you had so little vacation, you had to do it. Yeah. But I think uh, also the realization of, of diversity in the workforce that okay. – that and women are a big part of that. I think for me, one of the things um, is um, there's a greater understanding of leading with the heart. Mm-hmm. And again, I I realize I'm a heart person. Right. I'm a head person, but I'm a big yeah. heart person. Definitely. And I think there's a greater realization that leading with the heart can be very effective. Yeah. And it's okay. It's you okay, don't yeah. have to act like a man. Okay. And I've tried like from day one. You know, back when women were. You know, early in my days, it was like the suit, a certain blouse, and a big tie. I never did any of that. I yeah. always kind of like, I'm a woman. I'm going right. to dress like whatever. Okay. Um, and but but it, but it's good. And I think that we, I think companies now, the focus on wellness mm-hmm. is a big thing. Definitely, yeah. If you don't have wellness and mental health, and right. a lot of that comes from being able to balance all yeah. of this. Um, 
that it's not good for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's a huge break. Huge break. I hope she's oh, feeling good. some of that. I yeah. think she is. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, and then one thing I want to talk about, which you talked about a little bit in your last interview, is always doing the very best job yeah. at the job yes. you currently have. Yes. And it's so fun. When I interviewed Coach Jay Wright um, last fall, he gave really similar advice. He said that when he focused hard on doing the very best at his current job, other opportunities would arise. Yeah. Um, and he says people always notice. If you're yes. doing like an awesome job, it's going to get noticed and good things will happen. Yeah. So, I, well, I, I would exactly say those. I yeah. Mean, all I can say to that is amen. Like, yeah. That is awesome advice. And mm-hmm. I've actually said to people who like, oh, yeah, I really don't like doing that. And yeah. I like want to say if, if you don't excel at that, you're right. never going to get the next thing. Exactly. And, I, I, I mean, to this day, no job is above me and no job is below me. Mm-hmm. I will do whatever it takes to right. get a job done. And I think in that, right, you can't, I think I might have mentioned this the last time, it's hard to ignore people like that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? It's, it's like, how can I not see what's happening over here and right. want that person on my team to do the next thing? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I, no matter what it is, I go at it 100% and I laugh because people might say, oh, you, you don't stop at 100 yeah. <laughs> But I was reading a book last night and I read something similar and it, and it said anything, this woman was talking, she said anything worth doing mm. is worth doing well. Right, exactly. Why not do it? You know, like why right. not do it well? So, yeah, so I mean, I that that's something that I think no matter what we were doing, even at home, like that probably started there is yeah. um, to do your best job. Right. Even I remember in college taking pass fail classes uh-huh. and I'd study for an A. Yeah. And people would be like, it's pass fail. And right. I'm like, how do you study for a C? You yeah, know, like, definitely. Get the A and there might be some slippage, but um, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, And then one other thing you always said, which really stuck with me, is um, like if you're writing an email at the end, say, is there anything else you need me to do? Yes. Anything more? Yeah. 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 And I I think that goes such a long way. It goes such a long Mm -hmm. way. Um, Yeah. It just sends the right tone. But it again, it has to be authentic. Right. Because if you came back, if I emailed you that and you asked me to do whatever, I'd say, okay. I mean, I always say, as long as it's moral, I'd be like, and then I'd say, Happy to do so. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. Or if somebody would say something, I'm always like, absolutely. Yeah. And then I think it's one of those things, too, that when you say stuff like that, it actually becomes true. Mm -hmm. You are happy to do so. Yeah, exactly. It's a a good thing. And I think in any one of those situations, if somebody asks you to do more, whatever, you've benefited because you learned more. Exactly. And then you can't be ignored because you know more, you know? Right, 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 right. You're always learning. Yeah, you're always learning. That's so good. Um, And then, so dealing with conflicts and naysayers. Yes. So I just finished a book. um, It's called Tribe of Mentors. Okay. Um, I'm forgetting the author's name. She's famous, but I'll put it in the show notes. And it's about Abraham Lincoln. Yes. And um, it's a super long book. It took me a while to get through. (laughs) But uh, what really stuck with me in that book is he said that whenever he was in a quarrel with someone, he would write a letter and yeah. they found hundreds and hundreds of letters that were never sent. Wow. So That's it allowed him to sort of get the frustrations out. And then an yeah. hour would pass and he would feel better. And yeah. you always said that, you know, if you're in a quarrel with someone and they email you, you wait an hour. And then you said, do you want to go to lunch and just talk yeah. it out? And yeah. it almost always, like, face-to-face will work out. Face-to-face. Like, face-to-face is big for me. Mm-hmm. But um, and I, and I And I always say to people, too, like, we're interviewing every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to have anything to say about me. Like, right. I don't want them to say, oh, like, she's so negative or she's difficult yeah. to work with. Um, but but I think more importantly on that one, 
when you take the high road Mm -hmm. and believe you me, there are times when it's really tough to stay on that high road, given the circumstances, I think you learn to let things go. Yeah. If you really do, and maybe that's like Abraham Lincoln writing it down. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I'm going to be here. So I'm not going to be mired. I've, I've, I, I actually, that's something else I've been looking back on. You don't really hold grudges as mm-hmm. much, and you yeah. don't have, things don't fester. Yeah. You know, and I think that takes practice. Right. But it's like, my husband has a saying, he's always like, wear life like a loose cloak. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I personalize things. Yeah. Know? He's like, let it slide away. Right. And, you know, over years, I it, it is a learned skill, but I've learned to do things, mm-hmm. uh, to do that. I think for me, too. Because, I mean, I mentioned I do take things personal. Yeah. Personally. Right, same. <laughs> and um, I've learned at work that, it, you know, much of it is not personal. Mm-hmm. It really isn't yeah. personal. And I've also learned that if you let it get personal, right, you've given someone else the upper hand. Yeah. And they know it. And they know it. They yeah. know it. So it's like, I'm not giving that one away. Right. Um, but I think to your example, too, like for me, when I sit across a table and talk to someone, mm-hmm. you learn a lot from their faces. Uh, I also... I also always, no matter what the conversation is, I always try to sit in every chair. Well, let me sit in their chair. I'm doing okay. that right now on something. Like, why would right. we do this? Okay, why wouldn't we do this? You yeah. Um, and, I, and I've learned really most people aren't ill-intentioned. Right. Very, very, very few. You need yeah. a handful in your life. So okay. it's like, all right, take a step aside from that. Yeah. And someone taught me... Um, I had the benefit of working with Lee Hamilton, who was one of the greatest statesmen of all time. Yeah. He was on the 9-11 Commission. Or oh, whatever. wow. And he was, you know, in Washington, a lot brought in for, you know, situations that really had a lot of conflict. And he said to me, so I, I met with him once and I was talking right. to him about conflict. And he said, you know, reaching a mutual understanding point for a starting point of a conversation is mm. really important. Yeah. If you, ha- if you can't reach that agreement, right? the conversation's going to be exactly. tough. Yeah. But I think if you like you reach an agreement of where to start, it actually makes difficult conversations yeah. easier. Um, so, and then I think every situation isn't solvable either. Right. Okay. And, um, and, and so I think I've also learned that sometimes it's good to just walk away. You totally, don't have yeah. to win every time. Exactly. And um, taking the high road really does relieve a lot of stress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then... I also want to talk about, oh, your motto, head down working. I yeah. love. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, head down yeah. working. For me, that's like, and I also sometimes say at work, like, HDW. Yeah. You know, and then I'm, it's like getting in the zone. Right. And, um, and, and re- yeah, I can get in a zone. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, like, uh, when we think about, like, working with children and things, which right. we've touched on a bit, um, it, that's important to do. Like, if you're focused on what you're doing at the time, right. you're highly productive. And then you can, then, then, you know, when I'm at work, I'm focusing on work. When my kids were little, I, I mean, I might have said this, but my jeans had holes in the knee. Like, yeah. I played hard with right. my kids, you know, great memory. So no matter what I'm doing, it's head down working. Yeah. But I'm also the disruptor. Okay. <laughs> like, I might be in my office head down working, yeah. and it's typically me that comes out and, like, makes people laugh in the right. office and stuff because yeah, it's yeah. also important to take a breath. To do that, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I love, love that. that. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, and then another thing I wanted to ask you about is building courage. So yes. I'm 31 and sometimes I find it hard to speak up like in meetings. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about ways people can find their voice yeah. at work? Because I think yeah. it's important to, to yeah. find that voice. Yeah. 
I agree. And I, I mentioned, I, I think, I, I was probably the quietest kid in the world. Mm. Like, I think I found my voice in my early 20s. Okay. And um, and then I probably haven't stopped talking about it. But anyway, <laughs> it's a tough balance in meetings. Yeah. I think a couple of things is it's really important to know your audience. Okay. Um, so, like, if I'm in a meeting... You know, if you know the audience, because I think the level of detail of your comments is important to align with the level of detail, maybe the level of responsibility of, let's say, yeah. in the room. Um, and I'll say to people, you know, for example, you don't want to be at the fourth decimal place okay. when we're talking about high-level decisions uh, with senior management. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when, thinking of things as decision support, because sometimes I'll be in the room with people, and they're so in the minutia, and you're mm-hmm. like, no, we... we 95% accuracy is okay. We're like okay. decision support. But but saying that, I think to be comfortable speaking yeah. in any setting, right. you should know your stuff. You should right. know the data. Maybe you do know it at the fourth decimal place before you walk in that room. Okay. Um, and I think if you're prepared and really know your stuff, mm-hmm. it gives you the confidence to speak. Definitely. You know? Yeah. And I and another thing I always tell people is speak with conviction. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I, we, I think you touched on something earlier. Maybe it was with the man in the arena. Mm-hmm. But, you know, make your mistakes. I had a piano teacher once, and she'd say, you know, make your mistakes loud. Okay. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you if you're making your mistakes loud, you're trying. If you're timid, right. you're so speaking. I think if you speak with conviction, people mm-hmm. respect you more. Yeah. If you tiptoe into what you're saying, okay. Even if you know what you're saying, right? You, you, I, I don't think people, you know, listen right. the same way. Exactly. Um, and I think with anything, try it out. Right. You yeah. know, it's like okay, like. You're going into your next meeting, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have one comment this yeah. meeting. I'm gonna see how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe there's someone in the meeting you trust that you can say after the meeting, "Hey, was that appropriate?" Whatever. Yeah. I don't really think I really ever had anyone like that. I okay. was thrown into the wolves really, really young, and I think that's how I found my voice. Right. If I didn't speak with conviction, yeah, I was gonna be like. It's like the sink or swim thing. Right. Yeah. I, I, I would be drowning. Yeah. I, they, they. It was like you know. Five or six guys, way more senior than me, for so many right. years that yeah. I had to learn to speak, um, and and then I think, um, like everything, also timing is everything. Mm-hmm. So even now today, I'll be in a meeting, and you know, it's almost like you don't want to speak over people, right. which is something to learn. And I still have to remind myself that yeah. it's like wait for the hole in the conversation, and okay. then you and know, and then something. insert your thing. Yeah. And I think the more you do that. Um, you know, then then when people start asking you for your thoughts, right. that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. Um, but I but I tell people who might be new to meetings, uh, who are in a room with me, um, to believe your voice is important. Okay. If you're invited to a meeting, you know you're being invited because your thoughts exactly. are welcome. Yeah. And 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 I I mean sometimes like for me I have people sit next to me. Like, right. Sit next to me, and if you don't worry like. Say what you're thinking. That's yeah. why I wanted you here. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then um, my dad would always say, over-prepare, then go with the flow. Yeah. 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 That's a good way. That's right. kind of like knowing your stuff. And exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then one question I love asking people, I love hearing their different answers, is their definition of success. Yeah. So what the word means to you. We touched on it a little earlier. Yeah. And then who you might think of when you think of the word yeah, success. Yeah. I think for success for me... Um, really is uh, probably staying true, like being authentic. Uh-huh. So if you can stay true to your authenticity and find inner peace, yeah, that's successful to me. I, right. I had a friend who would say, like, 
she just wanted her children to be able to kind of have a lifestyle that allowed them to be happy. That okay. didn't mean have a lot of money or whatever. Right. And for me, I um, years and years ago when I was in a corporate setting that, that wasn't the greatest, um, I developed a mission statement on my way to work one day, and it mm-hmm. was to learn to teach. Okay. Um, to add value, to be valued, okay. to show respect, to be respected, and to drive change and accept change. Yeah. It was that simple. Right. And so, like, success for me, I keep like, am I aligned with that? Yeah. Um, and and I think early people who were maybe naysayers mm-hmm. would tell me you're never going to be successful because mm-hmm. because that comes to the hard thing. You're you you've got a mo- you need to have a stone face and whatever. And right. I told myself. Success for me will mean I met, I touch people's lives. Yeah. It's not a title. It's not a dollar salary or whatever. Right. But but earlier I kind of mentioned, I think in staying true to that, yeah. other things followed. And right. it, I mean, with that mission statement, if, okay, I'm being true to my heart, I'm learning, I'm giving it 100, I'm, I, opportunities came. Yeah. And so maybe those paths converge where I thought they couldn't exactly and yeah so it's been nice yeah um I, and when people it's it's hard for me I'd say for anyone I mean and, and you look at different kinds of people I have a son who's a real risk taker right success for him might be trying a million things and failing and yeah and make it you know like having some creative idea and having it stick right yeah um I think my parents were very successful. I mean, they had come from nothing. They have a they had a comfortable lifestyle, but mm-hmm. it was none of that. It was that they raised five children. Right. Yeah. They nurtured them. They valued us all through a spectrum of interests. I always say, if you lined up our five brothers and sisters, we are yeah. so vastly different people. Oh wow! Yeah. We didn't believe it. You know, we and and I think they created a legacy in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of you know that's kind of neat. But even people who have a lot of money. Right. Who've maintained that authenticity? Those yeah. are the people I've been, uh, successful. Know, yeah, it's, it's it's the authentic ones, right? You know? The authentic ones. Yes. I love that. Yeah, That's such a good answer. Um, so, and how are we doing on time? So I want to be respectful of that. So it's ten forty-four. Okay. Okay. A couple good. Of yeah. So um, persevering through adversity. Yes. So one question I uh, developed and love asking my guests is: um, so a lot of people put my guest on pedestals because of all the success you've had. Um, But as you know, we're all human and we all fail and have experienced failure and hasn't been like the perfect road to where you were. So can you talk about a time that you may have failed in your career and persevered? Well, and it's funny, I I hadn't thought of this actually, but my first job, I was actually fired. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's funny. And I was pregnant. Yeah. So I was told I was married, pregnant. And because of that, I didn't want to go looking for this like big time job. Right. And, it was funny. A guy I took the uh, GMAT with, okay, who was kept bragging about his score. Mm-hmm. You know, he finally pulled mine out of me, and it was better than his. And he okay. hired me. Okay. And it was a family business. Yeah. And um, so it was like three brothers and their father, yeah. and and I and I worked there. And there was one other older gentleman who worked there, and the mother would come in and get so upset every day that I yeah. was working there, and their own daughter wasn't. Okay. And I think I might have been six months pregnant, and. Um, one of them pulled me in and said, I'm like, you don't even have to tell me. I hear yeah. the screaming every day. Right. And I was fired. Yeah. But that wasn't even, um, that, so that wasn't even like the most adversity. I, you know, and I would, people who look at, maybe know me from the outside yeah. who aren't really inside my life might think I've had no adversity and mm-hmm. I've actually had a ton. Yeah. You know, right, right. I really do. Um, and, um, uh, I think 
why they don't know is kind of back to some earlier stuff is that I, um, no matter what's happening, I dig deep. Okay. I find inner strength and I stay on the high road. Right. And I exude positivity. And it's not yeah. fake positivity. It's the lens I look at life through. Right. And, um, but I've had adversity in, in probably in every job I've had okay. and in my personal life. People would probably be lying if they say they've never they've faced never, it. Yeah. And, you know, in my, in my, I guess in my first kind of real, more corporate job, I had a boss once who, a vice president came up and was giving me work to do. And my boss was kind of there and he, the vice president left and he took the work from me and he said, Oh, I got it. I'll, I'll do it. And I was like, really? Okay. I mean, I'll do it, whatever. Yeah. And maybe the week later, the vice president came back to get the work and I said, Oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, has it. He said he wanted to do it. Okay. And this guy came out of his office. He said, that's not true. I didn't take it. And he totally set me up. Okay. And it was the first in a lot of setups there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I was mortified and I think. Even in that job, I mean, I had had these, like, the top rating you could ever get. Right. And all of a sudden, I had the lowest rating. Yeah. And, I I mean, I was, like, dumbfounded. I could barely speak. Right. And I, my parents, they happened to live in Australia yeah. at that time. I visited them, and I, I didn't want to do anything. And my right. father said, like, what's going on? Yeah. It was the first time he told me about, um, you know, staying on the high road. Sometimes, and he was yeah. like, you know, he said, um, the cream rises. Okay. It may not rise overnight, but the cream rises. Wow, yeah. It takes time. And okay. he was right. And and that's the first time he said to me, don't badmouth your coworkers, mm. never badmouth your employer. Yeah. You go in there and do the best you can do every okay. single day. Yeah. And, you know, I came back and I could barely look at that boss. Yeah. And But it's funny because even then, um, I remember... Oh, and he said, what's going to happen is they're going to let you go and then they're going to let him go. Okay. Because it never happens the opposite way. And it did. It did. Wow. I I was there. And on the last day, I went into his office and I said, I don't, you know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But because you don't know when you're going to see anyone again. And I don't want to, I don't want to have this awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I did see him like I was at a conference once. Oh, wow. And then I didn't have to be like afraid. Afraid. Yeah. But I think, you know, even probably in some of my most difficult, probably one of the most difficult times I had to work through, um, someone who didn't know me that well at this particular, it was the next company that one I worked at the longest, they said, why are you always smiling? Yeah. And, you know, inside I'm kind of like, well, what's the, you know, what's the alternative? Right. Yeah. You know, let's really, and I, I think it's, it's, it's really, really tough, um, but my inner voice keeps talking to me. Yeah, you know, to, definitely to stay on that high road. Yeah, um, and you know, I think I, I, I think I just do it every day. I love that. And, yeah, and sometimes I mean, and sometimes like really big, like there's stuff that could knock you down and just take you completely off course. Right, and you know, you, it might be hard to get through the particular day or yeah. two or month or whatever, but you right. do, and and then. You find yourself like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah, exactly. I really am doing this. Yeah. I'm not letting it shape my my kind of persona yeah. or my character. I love the yeah. positivity you talk about too. Yeah. I think I, that's so important. To it's kind of true. I have a I have one of another my second child. Yeah. I used to say to him once, I think I sat him down when he was like eleven and he was like right. all negative about something. No one else was home and I said, You have two choices in life. Mm-hmm. You can go up or you can go down. Yeah. And when you let yourself slide down, mm-hmm. it's a slope. Right. 
and it's hard to come back. And yeah. I realize that people have ups and downs. Right. It's not like we, but, but I said, it, you know, it, it's a path you can choose. Yeah. And I figured out 11, he was impressionable. Like help yourself, you know, let's help direct how you think about the world. Or right. How you think about things. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and you can go up and, um, and it really does. I think it relieves stress. And I think it, it, Kind of regenerates. Positivity yeah. breeds positivity. Yeah, negativity. I totally agree. Yeah. A yeah. little uh, something I do is that if someone's if I'm at work and an employee or anyone I'm working with does something that you know really frustrates me, I quickly write down five reasons I'm grateful for. Oh that, yeah, I was gonna say gratitude which helps. is yeah. another. It's another great thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then right away I'm like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought yeah, it was. Yeah. Gratitude yeah. <laughs> is a great, great thing. Um, and then one topic I want to talk about is humility. Yes. Um. I, like I said, we talked about Coach Jay right before, yeah. but he's big on that yeah. and everything. And you've had a tremendous amount of success, especially at Penn now. So how do you maintain your humbleness? I think it's a core va- another core value. Mm-hmm. I think, again, in my family, um, no one person is more important than the next. Right. And it's interesting because, again, five kids and we're vastly different. Yeah. When we're together, and we and actually we're together a lot and we live in five different states, I yeah. think. I'm like, count, yeah. Okay. Um, no one ever talks about, like, what they've achieved or work or whatever. We're right. always in the moment with each other. Um, but my husband would always say to me, like, let's say when I was younger and I'd be yeah. really impressed by something, he'd say they put their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, too, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just knowing that there's so many things I don't know or can't do. Mm-hmm keeps me wanting to learn more, uh, staying committed to that continued learning. Yeah. And I also am like, I think to your gratitude. Yeah. I am also very well aware that like, I'll say to people all the time on my staff, like we all have different talents Mm -hmm. and we've all had access to different resources and whatever. And gratitude is, is something like, you know, if you are not grateful for what has been given you and you can't see maybe in the next person, okay, I just say to people, bring me what you have. Right. I'm not asking you to be someone you're not. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think anyone that's close to me in my life, if there was anything aside from humility, they wouldn't stay. Like, we, yeah. we, we, we it, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, someone else said this similar. Um, Billy Cunningham. Yeah. Who's actually at Billy Country Club. But he um, was the last coach to win the Sixers. Yeah. Oh. And and he said the same thing. He just surrounds himself with humble people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I really, I mean, Top to bottom, I just so enjoy being with, yeah. you know, everyone. The salt of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, salt of the earth. That's Definitely. another thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the salt of the earth. Um, careful of timing, too. Okay. One last question I'll ask you is about the art of listening. Yeah, I think listening can be so hard sometimes. Um, yes. So I say this a lot in my um, interviews, but I listened to uh, another podcast one time, and the CEO in the podcast was talking about how when he's in a meeting, he writes down DNT on his yeah. yellow notepad. And one of the employees after the meeting saw and asked him what it meant, and he said it, it reminds him, do not talk, yeah. and instead listen to yeah. what the other employees have to say. Yeah. So we'd love to hear your take on listening. Yeah, that's, that's hard. That's, that, yeah, I was, I, sometimes I say to people, like, I'm looking in the mirror when I say, yeah. Like, yeah, that's such a great skill. I'm looking in the mirror knowing I have to get better at right. it. I think I, you know, I said I was quiet for so long, and yeah. then it's like, oh, my gosh, now there's so much to say. Yeah. And I think along the way, I've become a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to tell stories. And that, yeah. so a couple things I do, um, I do strive to be a, a better listener. Um, 
in meetings now, one thing that I overtly do is I, I like, I'll say, what do you like? Yeah. Stephanie, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And really get people around the room engaged Mm -hmm. so that it helps them find their voice. Yeah. Um, I also try to play a little game sometimes. Like if, like, let's say it's a staff meeting Mm -hmm. and you know, they might, I, they might, you know, I'm leading the meeting. Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, look, kind of look at my clock and say, I'm not talking for more than X minutes. Okay. Um, so that I make sure, and I actually say this to other people too, like yeah. you have to learn how to not monopolize a conversation. Right. If I'm on the phone with somebody, yeah, uh, I actually told this to, you know, somebody that I know dearly was like, you know, you, you, half an hour goes by and you haven't said hello. You know, I haven't had, right. No, you have to, you know, how long have I been talking? But yeah. I think the hearing other voices, I spend a lot of time shadowing with people okay. really at the, at the, at the lower levels of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we do round tables in every staff meeting. I okay. want to hear, and I want to hear every voice. Right, right, right. Because you learn from those voices yeah. and you learn from the front line. Exactly. Uh, you're not learning from yourself. Right, right, you, right. Whatever you're saying, you already yeah. know. So I think that DNT, I might share that as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, okay, it's cool. A, it's a very good, um, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, Mary Frances. Okay. I think we touched on everything. You know, unless there's something else. Well, you, you know, wanna... you know, one other thing I was going to say on yeah. the listening is I think it's important for managers to set the tone so people real feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Speaking. Definitely speaking. Because, and then yeah. there's no recourse for anything that they say. I right. think that's an important thing. Exactly. No. So it, no, I think you know this is so that fun. was great. High five. Are, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the so questions fun. are so thoughtful. Yeah, it yeah. was really fun. That yeah. was great. Hi, everybody. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to High Five Success Stories. To learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at High Five Success. Or on Facebook, you can like High Five Success Stories with Steph Hayden. Or I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at High Five Hayden. And lastly, you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website, www.stephhayden.com. And if you get a second, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much.